It's more about helping a buyer, helping a vendor, and becoming a right human. It's not about commission breath out there going on the doors and just asking people to sell their house. Become a human being, you know, help people. And then obviously the people will remember you and they will always pass your name to everyone else. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. For more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier for your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. And to get new episodes of Elevate directly to your inbox, sign up at eliteagent.com slash subscribe. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey everyone, it's Sam here. Today's guest is one of the true stars of the world of real estate who I have followed for many years. His original aspiration was to be a truck driver, but a well-documented twist of fate literally put him on the highway to success in real estate. Since then, he's defied all sorts of odds, turning challenges into stepping stones of opportunity from mastering the art of cold calling and working long hours, today's guest has cracked the code on what really works. But what sets this individual apart is his business acumen. It's a unique blend of spirituality and strategy that guides his every move. So, Taney Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you so much. It's been a long time we met now. I know. Well, it has been a while. I think the first time I interviewed you, according to my notes, was back in 2017. And I think you just won a Tom Panos My Prospector competition or something like that. Yes. Do you remember that? I remember that. Yes, I remember that. You gave me a phone call and I was uh, not that old in real estate. I was fairly new. I started in 2014, but 2016 last I won that competition and 17 you gave me a call. Yes. And it feels like it was just yesterday in some ways too. Like, you know, I think real estate's a bit like dog years. They just go so fast that you don't know 10 years has gone by. Yes, it still feels like I'm a new in real estate because every time I watch any podcast, every time I watch any of the experienced real estate agent like Gavin, like Zali Reynolds, I still learn more and more watching the same podcast again and again, because at the time I'm watching that, those things are happening in my career whereby I could relate it when I was watching, when I was new, those things were not happening and I couldn't relate it. Now I could relate it and then I implement that. It's really interesting because some people think that they learn something and then they've learned it and they know it. And that's kind of what I love about you is that you learn something new in some of the previous lessons. Yes, 100%, because there are always things hidden in that. There are puzzles in your life, in your career, which is going through. And all these experienced agents and, uh, you know, the hardworking agents, they have gone through that and they have shared that. And I believe 10 years is just start of the career. 10 years is something you learned and you make the foundation. It's just like a slab of a building. You have made that. And now after that, you will just build the framework and other parts of that. Because all the technical part you have already learned, now you have to do non-technical part. Yeah, it is real estate. I would agree with that. It is very technical and non-technical. But you've achieved so much, I mean, since I met you. I think last year you were the Agent of the Year for the REIA and you've been the salesperson of the year for the REIV as well. 
And also, I mean, not only that, you got married, you've had a daughter, you spoke at Eric, you spoke at Rise. That's a lot in six years. Like, what is your proudest moment of all of that? I would say that the proudest moment is having a daughter. And that's the proudest moment I had. Awards, speaking at a particular place is, yes, it is good in terms of in your own career, because I believe that awards will not get you the listings. Awards will not get you the vendors coming to you. It's it's a pride in yourself because that will last for Facebook or Instagram for another four weeks. But having a baby, having a daughter is a blessing, I would say. And when you go after a long day, like yesterday, I, I was sharing to one of my admin staff in the office that I went home. We had a dance party with all the stuffed toys. We went to the walk. Then we went to the coals. The daughter was waiting. She's three years old now. And you look at up in the sky and you say, thank God, this is what's the real learning. And that's what the rich man is. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I remember even from some of the early times that we met at Arik and so on, you were doing some really long hours, like you were doing 15-hour days, as I remember. And so now that you've got a family, I'm guessing that, you know, you really have to work hard to balance the hard work that you put in or the long hours that you put in with the family. How do you manage that? Yeah, so it's the understanding between my missus and I'm fortunate enough that my missus understood my work and the way it works is like she looks after the house, I work outside. But because my house is in the farming area where I'm working, so I head on to lunch for five, ten minutes, meet her. And then, you know, in between my appointments, if she needs something, I just drop by. But after having a baby, I make sure that she works up. The good part is she works up earlier as well. So when I come back from gym, my daughter is awake and we play for an hour and a half. I take her to the drive and drop her back before I start my work at uh, around between 8.30 to 9. And then when I finish at 7, she's still awake and 7.30, quarter to 8, I'm there. But if I need to go to appointments, which are sometimes 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, latest I've done is 1 a.m. in the morning, my family understands and they're very cooperative on that. But saying that on Sundays, after 10 o'clock, I don't do any appointments. My whole day is with them. So my phone is aside and I'm, I'm just spending whole time with my daughter in the park and my family, wherever they want to go. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, I want to rewind a little bit because although we've known each other for a while, there are people coming and going from the industry all the time and some people are just even joining the industry now as we speak and probably hearing Tanae Jane for the first time. So for those two people in the whole world that might not have heard of you, I'm joking, but can you share a bit about your journey into real estate? Like I mentioned, I remember that story about, you know, you wanting to be a truck driver was so fantastic and then kind of fate stepped in. So for the listeners at home that haven't heard that story, would you mind telling us again? So what happened is like I was as a door-to-door salesperson. When I migrated to Australia as a student and I was 21 years of age and being a student in this country with no permanent residence is the hardest life you live. After struggling and after getting the visas sorted, I was working with Senses. I left door knocking and I worked with Senses, a media company in Melbourne. Worked for the two years, but then something like I realized in my head because I got my colleague sitting next to me working for Senses for 18 years. And the pay package was similar to what I was earning. And I was one of the highest salesperson on the floor. And I was not satisfied. I was like, 
I don't want to make $55,000 plus incentives, plus commissions. And uh, the guy is just putting Spider-Man on the desk. And I don't want to do that. But then I thought, what would be the best thing where I could make more money? I researched, I found it, truck driving is the best because I've got mates in Hobart. I've got mates move up in Queensland. I can actually talk to them while driving. And it's all fun. I had a music on as well, and I just have to deliver. So I did my written test. I applied for a license, but I didn't have much money with me. I applied for the license. There's a company in Halam here in Victoria and Melbourne. But the main test was at 7 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden I got sick. And I asked them to reschedule it, but they didn't. My money was forfeited. So one of my friends, or previous boss, his brother is my friend, and he invited me to real estate. I wasn't convinced to do real estate as I was going back to do marketing, door-to-door sales. as a good money in that time. But he said, trial it. I said, okay, because it's $100,000, $200,000 things. I don't know. I was scared what will be behind bricks. What should I say to the clients? Because all I was aware about real estate agents was rental agents because I didn't have any property. I was just living in a rental property. And all I knew, the property managers come and do the routine inspections. So I joined as a trial. They interviewed me. After a week, I got the results and got selected. Then I'm here. Yeah, amazing. And I know you're quite spiritual in the way that you look at life and things like that, but do you think it was destiny that got you here? I mean, obviously, you know, like it was a strange twist of fate, but it's not luck that you've achieved so much in the last 10 years or so, is it? Yeah, I agree with that because I don't believe in luck. I believe that if you're a thirsty and the water is there, The glass will not come by itself to your mouth and you will drink it. You have to actually lift it up. Same thing with real estate. It's not luck at all. I've got a farming area where no one has worked in my company. It was all purely door knock, cold call, and I got the listings and I made the name there. So it's all hard work and it was all destiny. I would say God's act. As Tom Panos, my coach, says that some of the best scapes come badly wrapped. So that was the case, I would say. And I'm more over the destiny because I just wrote on McGrath that agents And my office is underneath the office where I actually started it. So I didn't actually chose that. When I was hunting for a shop, I found a shop which was ground floor of the floor where I started the real estate. And I told to my boys, I said, who knew that time, 2014, that this shop would be our business? Yeah, it's amazing how things work out. I mean, look at much of your early success you attributed to Tom Panos's real estate gym, and you've mentioned Tom a couple of times. What do you think are some of the key takeaways that help you the most? I would say the way that Tom coaches, everybody knows listing and selling. So it's not about listing and selling, but yes, it's about that. But it's more about helping a buyer, helping a vendor, and becoming a right human. It's not about commission breath out there, going on the doors and just asking people to sell their house. I've seen vendors. Even yesterday, I went to the house. It was a separation case. And she said that the previous agent who came here, he told opposite than you that sell the house now. But you saying that based upon your situation, you should sell next year because based upon the situation, they should not sell the house. So what Tom teaches is become a human being, you know, help people. And then obviously the people will remember you and they will always pass your name to everyone else. But apart from that, The key takeaways is helping people, be aggressive, prospecting is one thing, which is oxygen in the industry, I would say. So I've got two boys hired up at the moment working with me, 
And what we do is together we make a goal of 1,000 calls a week. So 1,000 calls a week we make. That's it. So we turn a real estate into the call center. So that's what Tom says, prospecting, work hard. Don't worry about what time the vendor calls you. Don't worry about the weekend, weeknights. It's the work. You know, nobody cares about it. Nobody cares about if you're sick. It's just you versus you. Yeah. You just reminded me of something that Gavin Rubenstein always says, you know, that he's the highest paid telemarketer in Australia. Exactly. So we got a new joinee. She came up. Expectations was like, she's going to make up, you know, a lot of money in real estate. But then we trained her that, look, this is what we do. We just pick up the phone, make calls, and it's like a call center sitting there. And then the agents going out there as what happens in the business center back in Telstra days. So, I mean, cold calling didn't initially come naturally to you, although you had done the door-to-door thing. Over time, you know, like if you and the boys are making a thousand calls a week, that's a lot. Can you share some tips for reasons to pick up the phone and what sort of conversations that you have? Because other agents still, I think, often find it hard to pick up the phone and prospect like that, as you say, is oxygen. Yes. So when you do cold calling or when you do door knocking, I always say, and I always implement the same thing, that do not expect business over there. It's not about you going there and you saying, sell your house. Imagine if someone is partying or someone having a bad moment and then you knock the door or, or give them a phone call and say, you want to sell your house? So it doesn't make sense. So the reason for the call is you need to call with a reason. Either you have sold something in the area or what's the market scenarios looks like or to introduce yourself. For example, sometimes I make a call and say, hi, Samantha, this is Tanay. I'm calling from McGrath Estate Agents at Werribee. I'm just calling up to, not to ask you for selling, but I'm just calling up to say that I'm a local real estate agent. And in case you need any real estate advice, let me know. By the way, the interest rates has really gone up. And what they're saying is they might go up for you know a little bit more. But a lot of people want to know where the property stands and also want to know their borrowing capacity. We got an in-house brokerage as well. Would you like to know that? Or would you like to know where the market stands or market updates you need in that? And that's the conversation goes there. Sometimes people talk, sometimes they abuse, sometimes they hang on, but never mind, never take things personal. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I think from memory that you talked about last time is that you always try and take personal details on the calls, you know, because it's really nice to sort of ring someone up for their birthday or the anniversary of when they bought or sold or whatever. What sort of details do you take and how do you make it so that it's like, you know, if someone's in the middle of something that they don't just hang up on you? Okay, so let's say if someone hangs up, it hangs up. So I can't do anything on that. But the main thing is that if I call and they they talk with me and they say that they would like to know where the market is, what the market updates, and they want to know more about the area in the future. So I say, if you don't mind, can I grab your email address? What's the best contact number? Is this the best contact number? Is there any preferable time, daytimes or afternoons or evenings? What's suitable for you? So they give us, we put up the notes, then we put those notes in agent box and then the technology works around it. Yeah, nice. So we've talked a little bit about it, that you opened your own business in July this year. How did you arrive at the decision that you wanted to go out on your own? It's a tough decision. It was a very tough decision. It wasn't easy. I could say that people open up after two years. I was told by many, many people and asked by many, many people, 
you should open up now. You spoke at Eric, but it was still an early stage because I look up at Gavin, I look up at other agents. They didn't start it and they've been in industry for 18 years, 20 years. And I was asking questions to myself. Why did James Tostowin don't do that? Then I found it, obviously, they have their own reasons, but it's not, I would say, not much experience. I could say myself was having in order to operate a business because there's a lot of things. But coming to the business is that I had some health issues back in 2021 during COVID period. And then the questions came up to my head is that if something happens to me, what will my family do? What will happen to my daughter? Will these awards will fund them or what's going to happen to them? Because day by day, the way the world is growing, it's getting hard. So I don't want my daughter to struggle. And I asked the questions to various people, accountants, lawyers, and everyone. And then I realized that I think I should go up on my own and I, I should build up a legacy and a legacy not only for myself, but for my team and my, for family as well. And so you chose McGrath. What attracted you to the McGrath brand? I would say John McGrath is one of the guys I would say that, and I believe he's the only person in Australia. I met all the brands, no offense against that, but he's reachable. That's the most important thing because I didn't find, and because of my research, I didn't find the owners of the companies were reachable in case you need anything. And John was reachable. I was sending him a text, reply back in five minutes, or if he's busy, he calls back or texts back in half an hour or afternoon. But that's the most important thing. And that's what actually I found is that they care. That's why they're reachable. It's not like they're running multi-million dollar business, multi-billion dollar business. But then for me, I'm like a small fish for them. But still, they're reachable to me. They're replying to me. He asks everyone in the team. He got the name on the tips for everyone, running a webinar, and then not micromanage people on every step. Empower them. And so what's it like having John McGrath as on your speed dial as a mentor now? Like what are some of the great, I mean, you know, because John is so full of all of the lessons, what are some of your favorites from John? I would say that it is the positivity that John gives. When you sit with John, you feel like, you know, the age difference, but then you feel like the age is just a number, the energy he has and the way the confidence he gets. Like I was sitting with John, I said, how much you think you're going to write? And I said, 1 million. He said, trust me, you're going to write 12 million. And I was asking my colleague, I said, from where that number comes up? And then John gave an equation and I was surprised. I said, the man has done his homework before he spoke to me. And that's the main key takeaway that he is very passionate about real estate. He's very passionate. And when he believes in someone, he believes strongly and firmly. And that's what he has taught. Like when I was recruiting some staff, I found it that he or she is not for me. But then, you know, John said, spend more time, talk more time. You will know about the people. And that's what happened. And we hired some of the great staffs. Yeah. How do you now, like, you know, because you were a leading salesperson and I imagine that you've just transitioned into being a selling principal. So you're still selling, still listing and selling? All I do is listing and selling. So what I did is like I learned from various real estate. I've watched them very closely. Everything is available on the internet. What's happening with them? How the staff is there? I went on every real estate website and I said, uh, how many people are there? Who, what's the structure looks like? And what I realized that the biggest hindrance for a business owner is if he involves in operations, if he involves in all the admin-based things, 
and he keeps all the controls to himself. So I did opposite. So what I did is I decided to pay a little bit extra than what the market is, paying to my staff, looking after them. If they need flexibility, I give them flexibility. But I given them whole control. My business card doesn't say it's about director, it says property consultant. All I do is list and sell, and they make decisions on the business. If they need something, they call me. That's it. And so one final question, like, you know, some people, you did say that you hesitated to go out on your own a bit. And that's a question for a lot of agents, like, when is the right time to go out on my own? And will I be okay? How do you manage the risk of going out on your own, especially when it's new? Like, what were some of the things that you were thinking about that made you think, I need to keep myself safe, my career safe, my family safe? How do you manage all of that? First of all, I would say it is definitely a risky thing to go on your own. But first, you need to have experience. You need to know how the trust manage other aspects of the business. You need to have a strong team whom you trust and you know that they're not going to leave you. You know that even if someone leaves you, you are equipped to do everything by yourself. I would say that I was lucky enough that I had a strong team who were working with me since I started my EBU. And the same people came forward with me and they decided to join me in my business. So having a right people, right team is very important. And the financial backup is very important as well. Because anyone after one or two years can go on their own, but very soon they're going to get broke because they'll be cleaning, they'll be listing, they'll be doing admin, they'll be doing everything by themselves. And then they get tired and then the listings will not be that much in the area and the competition will take an edge on them. Whereby if you have a strong team, you have trust on them, you got a strong experience, you got a name, at least one suburb has to be number one with your name. People should know you. I believe it doesn't matter what rate my agent, what realestate.com says, but it what matters is if you go to a shopping center and you stand there, you become a kiosk. Means if everyone is just coming to you saying, hi, Sanai, how are you? How much you sold for that one? That's like, you know, you are a kiosk and that's word of mouth spreads very fast and that's a community based. If you are doing that and you got a team, then you can go on your own, but you need to have right coach. You need to have right support at the back right lawyers, right accountants. All these is a team itself. They're external people, but they together make a team. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I've really loved about watching your career is that you're in a really competitive area and you do a lot of volume. And you've always said that the real estate market is big enough for everyone. So how do you maintain that sort of collaborative mindset in such a competitive farm area? I never look at the competition. I never seen what my competition is doing. I never seen who is working in which real estate. A lot of people ask me, do you know that agent? I said, I never know that agent. I don't know. Maybe I've seen on a listing on a board, but I never met them because I never look at other agents listing who listed what. So that way, first of all, you need to have that in your mindset that you are the competition. That's it. Nobody else is the competition. If I list like 10 properties this month, my goal is to list 12 properties next month. Tom asked me for the KPIs. I said 35 listings. And he said, it's not possible. I said, I'm not going to change the goal. I'm going to miss it. But then I'm going to keep the same thing next month again. So I would say that competition is just in your head. So there's no competition. Secondly, just work on your goals. Just work discipline-wise. 
because there will be people who will be cutting commission, giving higher price to the vendors. But as you said before, there's enough houses. There is a lot of dwellings out there. There is, I would say, a lot of new houses being built up. You can't list everything. You can't sell everything. So there is enough for everyone out there. So just focus on that. Yeah. At Rise, you gave five words of wisdom. And can I just say, you know, like as a speaker, I, I didn't see you on stage at Eric, but everyone said how wonderful you were. And, and I did watch the Rise presentation and I thought it was amazing. You did talk about having that we as humans, as spiritual beings, have an, have, having a human experience, if you like. How does this perspective approach or how does it influence your approach to real estate? I would say that this is my own belief and uh, it's not about real estate, but I actually believe it deeply so that no matter whether I'm doing real estate or whether I'm doing lawn mowing, I'm treating the poor people the same way. So I've brainwashed myself that obviously we are a guest or a tourist with a visa in this world. And obviously we don't know when the immigration going to send us back. So that way, nothing hurts badly. So let's say if someone says anything, obviously it's okay. What's happening there, I look at a drama, what's happening around me. So I'm just playing my part. So there are pillars, what I follow on, how many people I help, how many people, let's say, I help through real estate or outside real estate. If I've done anything wrong, I just do self-audit to myself. So these are the things I believe on and that's how I implement that in real estate. Another thing is gratitude. Like I know gratitude plays a big role in your life. How does this sense of thankfulness impact your day-to-day? Very highly, I would say, because when I joined real estate, I was sleeping on the floor in a mattress. Now I've got a house, I've got investment property. So it's a gratitude, I would say. I was look back. Even some days I've got a rescission. Sometimes I've got five rescissions on a day. I don't feel bad. Obviously, I find solutions to that. Because if I start feeling bad, then I'm not, let's say, having a gratitude attitude that time. Because from where I've come, that was zero. Yeah, it's all about levels, isn't it? Like sometimes chat GPT won't work for me. And I think, how terrible is that? And then I realize what a time to be alive because we didn't have that 10 years ago at all. Yeah, so technology is changing. Obviously, chat GPT is a different thing. It's a blessing, I would say, whoever has actually invented that because it has sorted out a lot of things for every business, I would say, every industry. So thinking back now, if you were to start all over in real estate again, like if today was day one and knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self about setting yourself up for success? In this year, 2023, if I would have started real estate, it would be different to what I would have done in 2014 because 2023 is a combination it's not isolation. So means I have to work in combination with door knocking, cold calling, but also technology as well. So there are some of the texts out there which I use. And I would say that if an agent is not using that, he will be soon out of the industry as well. Because 2014, when you go to the door and you say you're a number one agent, everyone believes that. Right now, everything is available online. People know and rich is getting richer, poor is getting poorer. So it's very difficult for a new agent to enter. And that's where the technology will play. For example, if it is so hot outside, there is no point going door knocking there. But at the same time, with the combination of cold calling 
and technology, for example, Rita, Realtair, and ActivePipe, you can actually reach out to the people more fast. Yeah. And so you're sort of referring to like AI type tools that make the prospecting process easier. Do you find that they all work in combination or is there a particular favorite or how do you find them? I would say that they all work, they have to work in combination because I know some people treat it in a way that obviously there's a company, they're selling their stuff. I don't treat that like like that. Obviously, there is a purpose if you utilize it in the right way. For example, I use Rita. Some people ask me, does Rita generate appraisals? I said yes and no, because you need to treat it like your assistant who is actually calling on your behalf or messaging on your behalf on a database which is sitting in an orphanage because as long as we get mature in real estate, the database keeps growing, whether it's the open home buyers, past buyers, new vendors, prospective vendors, many more people. And humanly, it's not possible for an agent to actually call them every day. So that's where the Rita cleans up that. And then you pick up. And then when you stand in a shopping center, people come to you. I've got a message from you today. So that's surprising. And then Realtor. So for example, there's an agent who goes with a file. A lot of people don't look at the files. Moms and dads, they don't look at the files, what we take to people's desk. So what we do is pre-list, price update in case they don't want to sell. And then we send them a proposal. Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, I've just sent you a proposal. And with McGraw, we got customized one. They can actually play around how the signboards looks like, how the things look like. And that gives you an edge on that. And once they open up, like I literally, I was doing a grocery store shopping. I listed a property last last week, but I was I did an appraisal last year for that. I sent a realtor proposal to them and I was doing grocery. I was paying the bill. I saw that Saleh has actually opened up and I called him. I said, I just wanted to see if you're all right. You need any other information? He said, what a coincidence. I just looked at your proposal again. I said, would you like me to meet again and discuss further? And there we listed the property. And then Active Pipe, obviously, those emails, what we collect from open houses, they go in orphanage. I'm telling you, it's humanly not possible. It, the database keeps growing and growing, and everybody says, just my database, my database. Nothing happening with that. And Active Pipe runs campaigns for that on the back end. So in the new world in 2023, 24 going onwards, we need to have technology and human capacity in combination. Yeah. So. You're saying you do all the things, so you do all the technology stuff, but are you still sort of doing flight letterbox drops and calling and all that sort of thing in conjunction with it? So it's like, you know, instead of having one line in the ocean, if you're fishing, it's like having 20 lines in the ocean. Yeah, you need to be seen from everywhere. Rather than putting up billboards on freeway, these are the best way that you look up. People are actually looking at you. You're going retargeting on Facebook, wherever they go, they actually see. So I actually learned that from. There's a real estate or like a business coach in the United States. I forgot his name. If you open up their video, they actually keep following you. I was like scared one day. I said, I open up Facebook, he's there. I open up YouTube, his video started coming up. So I go to Google, his ads coming up. So that's where I learned what an idea. You know, you don't miss people. Like people know and your name is out there. That's why the initial, I would say, the real estate education in early days was that cold calling, door knock, and letterbox drop so that people, it's a long game, and when people need to sell, they can sell. But now, because it's a more competition, more competitive, technology can make that more faster for you. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I rattled off some of the things that you've achieved in the last six years. I guess in kind of starting to wrap this episode up, what is your next goal? My next goal is to work consistently the way I am. Doesn't matter I'm a selling principal and also want to change the industry the way some of the agents being handled. And I don't want any exploitation out there. I want to train them to the best and become my cologne. Amazing. Tanae, it's been amazing catching up with you. And, you know, I've loved seeing how your career trajectory has gone. And you are one of the true nice guys of the industry. So thank you for coming on to the Elevate podcast and sharing some of your knowledge with everyone else, as always, so generously. If there was one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with or one tip that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? One thing I would like to leave everyone with that we are real estate agents. We are a human being. We should not stand outside the houses and talk to people like we are a prince or Prince Charles because nowadays people take that and obviously we are a human. We're just doing our job. It's not, you know, like we're doing the biggest job or one of the toughest jobs like what Army does. So we're just selling. So let's be human. Let's treat everyone same and work hard and keep doing prospecting. That's it. Yeah, that's great advice. Today, Jane, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to Connect Now. To stay in touch with all things Elite Agent, sign up for our daily newsletter, The Brief, at eliteagent.com slash subscribe. 